Hello and welcome to Bible 101. We're going to begin a series um, and I'm going to call this a study of Matthew and we're going to go really, really, really in depth into the book of Matthew and we're also going to take some time to focus not only on just the book of Matthew but on the intertestamental period and that's what this first lesson uh, is going to be all about. And so I want to begin with this intertestamental period often called the 400 silent years between the Old and the New Testament. The interval between the Testaments is termed the 400 years of silence, meaning that there are no vocal messages from God or no inspired prophets during this period. However, uh, during this period there was a deep longing and yearning in every Jewish bosom for the freedom the Messiah would bring. Uh, 400 years of silence does not mean that God was not active during this period. On the contrary, he was preparing the way for the promised Messiah. And that's what this first lesson is going to be all about. Israel, the northern kingdom, had been taken into captivity by the Assyrians. And Judah, the southern kingdom, was taken uh, by the Babylon, uh, Babylonians. Uh, Babylon became the dominant world power. And they destroyed the temple and city walls. And they took the people of Judah into exile. And the book of Daniel was written after the exile to Babylon. And so this shows us that although the Lord had turned Judah over to captivity, his hand was still upon them as a nation. Now, the Medes and Persians, uh, they overcame Babylon, and they established their place as the new world power. And then King Cyrus allowed the people to return to their homeland and rebuild the temple. And this is recorded in the book of Ezra. And then Nehemiah records the rebuilding of the city walls. Now, about the middle of the 4th century, a new world power emerged, as Daniel had predicted. Uh, Philip of Macedon began to weld together uh, Greek city-states into a powerful uh, military force. Greece had long been a cultural center among the Mediterranean nations with its established languages and customs. And with the combination of uh, several uh, city-states under powerful Philip, Greece became uh, a terrifying force. Philip's son, Alexander the Great, which those of you that have studied uh, world history probably know about Alexander the Great, uh, he took command of the Greek forces when his father died. And even though he was young, he displayed skill uh, as a military leader, and soon his campaigns made him world famous. He conquered most of the then-known world at the time. And swiftly, his forces swept across Egypt, Syria, Syria, Babylon, and Persia, and he was a world ruler by 331 B.C. He showed special kindness to the Jews and he spared Jerusalem. And there's a whole story behind that, but I'm not going to take time to get into that here today. Uh, the victorious armies of Alexander the Great established Greek cities wherever they went. And uh, the Greek language and culture flourished as these cities became centers of a new civilization. And this would be known as uh, Hellenic culture. You read about the Hellenists, this is what it's talking about. And uh, the prominence of the Greek language would be of great help in spreading the gospel. So that's point number one that I'd like to make, uh, that when Alexander the, the Great conquered most of the then-known world and they spread their culture to other nations, uh, the Greek language would become kind of universal, a, simp a simple form of Greek, in other words, and um, that would be used for the spreading of the gospel. The New Testament is written in Greek. Okay, uh, Alexander died at a very young age, and his kingdom was divided into four parts. Uh, Egypt, Syria, Greece, and an area now known as Turkey. Now, Palestine was uh, first ruled by uh, Syrians. 
And then the Egyptian kings took control. And during this period, life was peaceful for the Jews. Uh, synagogues were established uh, during this period uh, in many cities. And Alexandria, Egypt, became an influential center of Judaism. So the point number one was uh, the Greek language would make it easy to spread the gospel to other nations because it would become a language that was familiar to many different types of people. Number two, synagogues were built during this period. Jesus often ministered in synagogues, and Paul would often begin his ministry in a new location at a synagogue. Okay, and then later in 198 B.C., uh, Syria again gained control of Palestine. Antiochus the Great determined to force the Jews to accept the Greek culture. And then, in 170, uh, 175 B.C., a new king, Antiochus Epiphanes IV, came to rule Syria. And since the unique Jewish religion conflicted with the Greek Hellenism, he decided to destroy them. And this was one of Israel's darkest periods. The, the pagan image of Jupiter was erected upon the temple altar, and the Jews termed this the abomination of desolation, which was spoken of by Daniel the prophet, and that's chapter 8, verses 11 through 13. And a pig was offered on the altar to Zeus. This sparked the Maccabean revolt, which was so successful in the Jews gaining independence, and this is known as the Hasmonean period. Now, this period lasted until somewhere around 63 B.C., when the Roman general Pompey, and once again, those of you that have studied world history, you probably learned about Pompey and the famous battle of Pompey versus Caesar. Uh, but the Roman general Pompey conquered Palestine, and he deposed Hasmonean rule. Uh, Pompey killed many Jews and entered the temple, and thereby he defiled it. Of course, he wasn't supposed to enter the temple. And this caused a bad blood relations between the Jews and the Romans. And there would never be true peace between them, only a forced peace. And that didn't last, obviously. And then Herod the Great, uh, where he comes from, was uh, he was a friend to Mark Antony. Once again, those of you that have studied world history, you probably know about Mark Antony and his relationship with Cleopatra. Uh, and the war that ensued, uh, and then Octavius taking control. Uh, well, Herod the Great was a friend of Mark Antony, but later he pledged his loyalty to Octavius, who is also known as Caesar Augustus. Uh, and he, uh, Herod the Great, that is, rebuilt the Jewish temple when he was given power uh, to rule the Jews. Now, he was not a legitimate ruler. He was an Edomite. Now, he ruled, but religious affairs were left to two sects of Judaism, the Pharisees and Sadducees. Now, these are very, very uh, uh, prominent figures in the New Testament. You're going to read about them many, many times. Let's explain uh, the four sects of Judaism during this period of time. First of all, you had the Sadducees. Now, they were Jews, uh, but they were few in number, and uh, they were willing to work closely with the governing Romans. They were corrupt. They controlled the priesthood through much of the New Testament period. You can read about that, for instance, Acts 5, uh, verse number 17. Now, in theology, they insisted that doctrine had to be built on only the five books of Moses, and they rejected the increasingly popular belief in resurrection. Read about that in Luke chapter 20, verse 27. Okay, then you had the Pharisees. Now, Jesus debated the Pharisees more than any other Jewish party, probably because the Pharisees lived among the people and were very influential. They practiced strict purity, often taking the form of separation from anything they considered impure. 
they tried to convince average Jews to pursue a similar purity. They sought to direct the life of the Jews through their interpretation of the law. These interpretations became so authoritative that they were viewed as a second law or an oral law. And the Pharisees were the only party to survive the destruction of the temple in AD 70, and they were the precursors to the rabbis who are still uh, uh, a group today that's well known among the Jewish community. And then you've got the Essenes. Now, little's known about the Essenes until the Dead Sea Scrolls were discovered. And the New Testament does not mention the Essenes, or it doesn't mention them by name. But most scholars agree that the Essenes produced most of the scrolls. But we need to use caution concerning sweeping conclusions, since there may have been other Essenes who did not hold all the beliefs of the Dead Sea Scrolls community. The group of Essenes who established the community uh, were disenchanted with the temple establishment of their day, so they moved to the wilderness to reestablish a pure worship of the Lord. They were devoted to strict interpretation of the law and to personal purity. Uh, they eagerly anticipated the appearance of the Lord to fulfill Old Testament uh, prophecies. Okay, and then, so we've mentioned the Sadducees, we've mentioned the Pharisees, we've mentioned uh, the Essenes. So let's talk about the final of these uh, uh, four groups uh, of Jewish sects uh, of, of Judaism. And this is the Zealots. Now, Josephus does not include them in his list of Jewish philosophies, but they do deserve mention. Their hero was Phineas. Uh, those of you that have gone through the Bible 101 series, you probably know about Phineas. He was the man that preserved Israel's purity by killing an Israelite and his Midianite lover. You can read about that in Numbers chapter 25, verses 6 through 8. By doing this, he stopped the plague, and God made a covenant with him, and God blessed him and his house. Uh, the zealots embraced violence against the Romans as a way of purifying Israel from foreign influence. Uh, they sparked a rebellion against Rome that brought upon Israel the disaster of Roman invasion in AD 66-73. Now, the New Testament does not mention the zealots as a group, but one of the twelve may have been a devotee of this moment, one of the twelve disciples, and that's Simon the Zealot. You can read that in Matthew chapter 10 and verse number 4. Though, after he started following Jesus, he was no longer a zealot. I, I will include that there. Uh, the Bible never supports rebellion against the government uh, unless the government directly demands that we disobey uh, the word of God. And so uh, the zealots uh, were not uh, people that uh, were, were blessed of God. And it's, it's very possible that um, the zealots are the ones that were responsible for uh, the destruction of the temple in 70 A.D. Um, now let's uh, let's talk a little bit more about this. Now the, the the Pharisees and Sadducees are the ones mentioned frequently in the Gospels. Uh, they don't really say a whole lot. The Gospels, that is, about the Essenes and Zealots. Now um, let let me give one more little point here before we end this first lesson. That's just kind of a precursor to our study of Matthew uh, with the rise of the Roman Empire. An era of road building flourished. Rome was responsible for building roads and developing world waterways. The most remote areas were discovered by her great ships in the quest for international trade and commerce. Rome uh, was uh, had apparently or approximately uh, 100 years to build roads and establish trade routes before those routes would be used to spread the gospel. 
The disciples' mission would have been impossible unless Rome had literally paved the way for Christ and his gospel. So this intertestamental period may have been termed the 400 silent years because uh, it was the years without a prophetic voice. But that does not mean that God was not active. God was active during this period. You have, number one, the spread of the Greek language. Number two, the establishment of synagogues. Uh, number three, uh, you've got the, the sects of Judaism that rise up during this time. Uh, you've got the, the, uh, the temple com, uh, complex being, uh, you know, Herod expanded it, and he added courts onto it, and it became more beautiful than ever. Uh, you've, you've got that. And because of the religious corruption through the, the Sadducees and Pharisees, you've got a genuine hunger among the common folk. That's who Jesus came to. He didn't come to the people that thought they were righteous. He said, I came not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Not meaning that the Pharisees and Sadducees were righteous, but meaning that they thought they were righteous. And then, ultimately, you've got uh, the rise of the Roman Empire, and you've got um, the, the roadways that were built, the Roman roads, as they call them, and uh, they were built, and that would make the spread of the gospel message uh, much easier. And then, another point I'd like to make is, during that intertestamental period, uh, there the, uh, the uh, 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 for some reason, the, the name slips my mind right now, perhaps I'll think of it in just a moment, but you have the, the Greek translation of the Old Testament, the Septuagint, there we go, uh, the Septuagint, which was uh, basically what they did was they went and they gathered all those Old Testament scriptures, and this is where the, the canon comes from, uh, and uh, they took all of the Old Testament scriptures and they, they put them together and they translated them into the Greek language during this period, and it was done by a, a, a huge group of scholars and uh, or, or people that were experts and in the scriptures and in the languages, and they translated it into Greek, and it's believed, now this is somewhat debated, I want to put that out there, but it's believed that uh, the disciples and, and Paul and others quoted from uh, the Septuagint many times in the New Testament, which is why it may not line up 100% uh, you know, with, with uh, let's say, for instance, a quotation of the New Testament with the Old Testament. Um, it's believed. Now, again, that is somewhat debated. I want to throw that out there, but uh, the Septuagint comes from this era, and uh, so you have that as well. So once again, you have uh, all of these these things that took place in this intertestamental period that set things up for what was going to come in the New Testament. Now remember, there's all this religious unrest. There's a genuine hunger for a prophet because it's been 400 years since the last prophet arose, which was Malachi. And uh, Malachi prophesied about a Messiah coming. He prophesied about somebody that was going to prepare the way before the Messiah. Uh, you have other prophets such as Isaiah. You have Jeremiah. You have Ezekiel. Ezekiel prophesied about a day when a new spirit would be put within them and the law would be written upon their hearts. Uh, you, you have many other prophets that prophesied many other things. You have Zechariah that prophesied about the branch. Uh, that would rise up. You have uh, many other prophecies uh, that talk about the Messiah. And, and let me just kind of put it this way. A lot of people might say, well, how did they miss the Jewish Messiah? How did they miss Jesus if he fulfilled over 300 Old Testament scriptures? Because he didn't come the way they thought he would come. Because there are two sides of Messianic prophecy. There's a side where he's going to come lowly. He's going to come meek, riding on a donkey, as it records in Zechariah. He's going to be betrayed by 30 pieces of silver. Uh, there's going to be uh, many other things that were prophesied about him coming lowly, uh, that he would be a 
a son as recorded in Isaiah 9 and 6. He would be born of a virgin as recorded in Isaiah uh, 7 14. He would, uh, he would be despised and rejected as recorded in Isaiah chapter 53. But there's the other side to it where uh, he would reestablish Jewish rule. The time of the Gentiles would be over with. Uh, he would come with garments dipped in blood. He would come re- uh, 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 distributing justice and uh, bringing vengeance upon those nations that had came, uh, come against Israel. And so there's these two sides of prophecy. So when Jesus came lowly and meek, that's the side of the prophecy that uh, the Jews didn't pay much attention to, and they, they didn't see. They were totally blind to it. Even the disciples, now quickly, before you pass judgment, even the disciples did not see this until Jesus opened their understanding. And you can read that in Luke chapter 24. So this was the side of the prophecy that a lot of them missed. They missed his first coming, but when he comes back... Uh, a lot of those other prophecies about trampling down the other nations, the time of the Gentiles being over with, the rule, uh, he's going to rule the nations with the rod of iron, and so on and so forth. Uh, there's going to be peace in that day. And then there's the lion will lay down with the lamb, and the child will put his his, uh, uh, his, uh, his hand into the cockatrice den, and nothing's going to happen to him. All of that will be fulfilled with Christ's second coming. So hopefully in this lesson, it's been a short lesson, but hopefully this lesson has helped you to understand that period between the Old and New Testament. Again, this is not exhaustive. This has come from a lot of my research, um, but uh, this is uh, what happened in that intertestamental period that set the way up for uh, for Jesus' coming. And it was such a dark time, but Jesus walked on the scene during this time. And uh, during all this uh, religious unrest, political unrest, and a uh, very oppressive time for the Jews, them being forced to pay taxes, uh, and them being forced to do things for Roman soldiers, uh, them being forced to sit under the rule of Herod, who was very corrupt. Uh, Herod was such a corrupt ruler, in fact, that he had his own sons and his wife killed. Uh, because he did not trust them, he thought that they were trying to take uh, uh, that they were trying to betray him, and so he had them killed. And so he was a very corrupt ruler. Uh, he was very hated by the Jews, but they were forced to submit to him. So you can imagine the unrest, both politically and religiously, during this period, and that paves the way for Jesus's coming. All right, in the next lesson, we're going to actually get into the book of Matthew, and we're going to dig very in-depth in the book of Matthew. So please continue to tune in and listen. Thank you.